You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of the Corporate Quitter Podcast. I'm joined today by Jennifer Jennings. She's a corporate dropout and one half of Dashboard Drifters. When she's not exploring, she works as a freelance writer and on her very own startup called RV Spot Drop, which is a place for full-time RVers to find available spots across the U.S. and Canada. Jen, I am so ecstatic that you're on this podcast. And let me tell you, I keep telling everyone that you're going to be on. They're like, oh, my God, tell me when she's going to be on because I need to listen to what she has to say. Oh, that's so great to hear. I'm really, I'm really excited to be to be on here and and talk about, you know, leaving the corporate world. There's there's a there's a big huge world out there that doesn't involve an office. So yeah. Exciting. <laughs> Ditching cubicle life has been like the best thing that I've ever yeah. done. It's been the best. Yeah. But so like what what's your story? How did you even get to the point of quitting the corporate life? You know, did you go to college and then go straight into the corporate job? Was there like a gap year? How did even the idea of like, you know, kind of selling all your belongings, starting from scratch and like hopping in like an RV take form? Yeah. So I did not actually even start in the corporate world. I actually started in the trades um, after high school. So after high school, I graduated and I had big dreams. Actually, when I was in high school, like grade 12, I really, really, really wanted to study fashion on the East Coast. And that was kind of my plan. And so that's obviously a very far jump from where I am now, but (laughs) (laughs) totally different, like sides of the pole. (laughs) I really, I was really, when I was younger, I was really obsessed with, with fashion and modeling. And, um, that's, that's what I, I wanted to do. And so when, after high school, I, I went to university and I had kind of I was, I was really unsure about what I wanted to do in university because I had missed the deadline for applying to the school of my choice on the East Coast. So, you know, I, I was going to take business courses and then kind of transfer over the following year. So I got to university and I'm a university dropout. Um, <laughs> I was not ready for university. I was one of those people in high school that I didn't really like need to study um, oh know, my I was God. Kind of- I was so envious of those people in high school. I would like cringe on a test. Like my friend, I would study for like three hours and she would like, she would just show up the day and like look over a sheet really quick and she'd get like an 80 and I'd get like a 50. I was like, Oh my God. So jealous. That's like, yeah. that's a skill. That is a, an, that's a skill. No, honestly, it's not. It's actually, it's not a good thing guys. So <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I grew up is like not needing to study. So I didn't have any study skills. So then I got to university where, you know, the entire structure is completely different. I was sitting in lecture halls of like 300 people and I didn't have the skills to, you know, to take in that material so often, like they're, you know, the the professors in university are very hands-off. So anyways, I made it through like half a semester at the university and I just kind of stopped going and I just kind of, I started working more. Um, I was working in retail and, you know, my mom didn't know that I wasn't going to school (laughs) I was just kind of like leaving and going to work and stuff and I wrote all my final exams just for like the sake of writing them but I honestly don't even know what my final grades were I I really just I just I would just say I'm like a dropout Um, (laughs) so I was really you know I was really lost and then 
you know, some life stuff happened and I decided I wasn't going to go and study fashion and I needed a new game plan. So that's how I got into the trades. So I, I started welding and, and, you know, I went to school for that. I did like a, a pre-employment program and that, and that was really good. And I thought that that was going to be my life is, is welding and traveling. And, you know, it's very popular, especially where I'm from in Alberta, where, you know, there's rig welders, so they have their own the truck and the rig, and they travel around to different jobs, and, and that's what I thought I was going to do, and I, I really enjoyed it, and and that was all fine and dandy, but then I, you know, I was working at a shop, and I got laid off, and then I ended up working out on the pipeline, and, you know, it it was a tough, it was a tough go. I was working 12 days on and had two days off. My commute was an hour, so two hours of commuting, you know, 12-hour day, it was, a, it was tough. And so then one of the supervisors, like the client supervisor, he was like, you know, this is, this is not a good life. Like you need to go back to school and, and, you know, get into the quality world. So that's what I did. And then I went back to school and then, you know, I was in my twenties and I was really in a better place to actually go back to school. So I went to college and I took a two-year program. And so now Technically, I'm an engineering technologist, and I really loved that. This, like going to school in a smaller setting was definitely for me. You know, I figured out actually how to study, which is important because that's something that people actually need to need to know. Like you yeah. can't just <laughs> get by. But on. still, like it's impressive that you were able to do like all these different things. You know, maybe if you were to say like not having those foundational skills, like you still had whether it was like the creative ability to think outside of like these are the steps in front of me but like this is the end goal like you know all these different because right people go to school and it's like the one way or the highway where it was like you did so many things before you even hit like 25 like that's very impressive yeah absolutely like my mom was so adamant that I went to university right after high school and that really backfired because she paid for my semester at university and I don't have anything to show for it so I mean (laughs) you know, that would be the biggest thing looking back is, is having that flexibility and being like, you're on a path, but you don't necessarily have to stay on that path. And that's really what happened with me is I was on a path and then I just decided that wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I was just able to, you know, pivot and go to a different direction. So, yeah, so I, I graduated from college and that was great. I got a good job working out of town, um, making really good money. I was crazy. I was like 24 and the amount of money I was making was crazy, but I was working out of town. So that really sucked. And again, I think I was working a 10 and four shift. So I worked 10 days on and then I would fly home for four days and then go back. Um, and my travel days were on my days off. So then it kind of really ended up only being like three days and, you know, it um, seems kind so- of exhausting, even though it's cool. Right. Cause the appeal of like, Oh my God, I get to travel. Like, I feel like us, the younger generations were like, so kind of like you had said, I think in your bio, like the itch to like for wanderlust for travel, for exploration is so high. So when someone's like dangling in front of you, like, Oh, you get to travel with this job. You're like, hell yeah. Like I want yeah. it. Yeah. But then the travel ends up being to like Northern, it was like in Northern BC in like small towns and like not not like cool travel. places <laughs> no like the worst places like the worst and so cold it was so cold in the winter time like because you're in northern northern bc 
but you know, and then, then the other thing is like, you can't travel on your days off because you're only off for three days. You're exhausted because yeah. you just worked, you know, 10, 12 hour days in a row. But I mean, it was pretty cool because they would shut down at like Christmas time. So we would be off for like three weeks at Christmas. And then, I mean, you made enough money that you can go travel. Like we would go to Mexico for whatever, two weeks and it was fine. But is that um, why you decided on Mexico? Like you guys, was that your like go-to place when holidays came around? And then once it was the decision to like pull the plug on this life and create a new one, Mexico was like, this is it. I'm doing it there or. Yeah. I mean, we talked so many times about going to like Costa Rica or going to Ecuador and, and, and traveling to other places, but Mexico was so convenient because, you know, we'd be looking at the flights to Costa Rica and it was like 19 hours and we're like, Oh God, that sounds so awful. And you know, it was a direct flight four and a half hours and you're in Cabo and you're like, ah, no, maybe <laughs> another time, but like this time, let's just go relax. So yeah, it was just, it was always so convenient, I guess, but we also just really loved Mexico. Like people ask me all the time, they're like, why Mexico? Why Mexico? And I'm like, I, I can't even put out, put words to it. It's just, it's a feeling. Yeah. Um, like when you get off the plane or you, you know, you get here my my soul just like relaxes I think and that's that's kind of how I describe it which I know sounds crazy but no I actually that's how I, I describe it totally I recently was like I used to be in New York City and now I'm kind of bouncing around because I don't have the corporate job anymore I'm doing remote stuff and so you know my idea is well hearing kind of like you like how you're popping around and like checking out different places there was one place in Florida and I mean I've yet to explore other places so that the same feeling might come up but I visited a bunch of spots and they were all like, cool. Like, you know, they had their own things, but there was this one location that I like immediately saw people saw the built, like I immediately said home, like, this is a place that makes me feel good. I was so excited. Like, and that's when I knew like, this could be a place that I can go to because of that feeling makes so much sense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a feeling like home is a feeling. Okay. So then back to, so then I was working and then I was working out of town and then my husband and I decided like, I, you know, it was, it was hard being out of town and, and I, I missed being home and flash forward a couple of, of years and I got a corporate job. So actually corporate, no longer in the trades in Calgary. So I was working at an engineering firm and it was a huge adjustment. Let me just say like coming from the like trades into the corporate world was a huge adjustment. Uh, I really had to relearn a lot of like soft skills. I mean, just even like how you interact with people when you're in the trades, I would say it's definitely like more abrasive and and you can (laughs) say whatever you want and you can call people dumb and, and it's fine. And I was really like, I was more timid. I think when I was in the trades, because I was obviously a girl and I was, I always said like, I was blonde hair and blue eyes and I come out onto site and they're like what are you doing but (laughs) going into the corporate world things were definitely different even I mean how I wrote emails and it was a huge learning curve going into the corporate world of how offices operate and how you know how even like outlook operates and like scheduling meetings like it was crazy but so I did the corporate world for three years and not everything about the corporate world is bad. I mean, I really enjoyed my job. I enjoyed aspects of it. I mean, if they had allowed me to work remote, I would probably still work for them just because I did enjoy my job, but I didn't enjoy the, just 
there wasn't that opportunity to travel, right? You only had the weekends off. I mean, taking vacation is one thing, but you take the vacation and you know that when you get back from vacation, things are going to be a disaster. I remember we got married and we went on our honeymoon and I was gone for two weeks. And when I came back, literally nothing in my project had progressed. So we were behind two weeks and I had left the project, you know, with the project manager and like with the team. And I had left a super detailed list about what needed to be done and who was assigned to what and so detailed, so meticulous and nothing. It just all fell apart. And I was like, you know, and so every time I went on vacation after that, I just, that's all I could think about is like, oh my God, like everything is going to be a disaster when I get back. Cause did it like, what was the major like aha moment where you're like, this isn't going to work anymore. Was it that point where like you knew like you had right we barely had vacation days it was like x amount per year and you're capped but then there's right the also the aspect if you go away but you're still in that panic mode like your your heart is fluttering all day long so you're like I don't know if things are going on or like the outlook oh my god every time I heard the outlook like email or whatever the sound on my phone I'd get like heart palpitations because I'm like what is going on (laughs) yeah so I mean I had pretty good practices and like work boundaries when I went into the corporate world um when I worked up out of town, I had two phones. So I had a work phone and I had like my personal phone and, you know, I didn't have work email. Like I refused to put work email on my phone. Even now I don't have work email on my phone. So I wasn't checking it, but it was still like knowing. Yeah. But I mean, the other thing, and I was, this is goes against everything corporate, but I mean, so you do get a maxed number of, of vacation days or whatever you get, like two weeks vacation, let's say I would just take more vacation and just not get paid. I never thought about that. I never, I guess in theory, yeah, people could do that. I never thought to do that. It was always like, oh my God, if I don't get paid, like, yeah, I just, I would just go. I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to take vacation. They're like, "Uh, you don't have any vacation days. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to (laughs) go. I'll just figure it out. I love it. I love it. Like, that's not, that's not fair that my travel and like my, my life is, is like hindered on these 14 vacation days or like I think it was even 10 days like two business weeks like that's crap so I mean people should know that like you can take vacation even if you don't have vacation days yeah I mean if you can't afford it you can't afford it and like I don't think you should go into debt taking vacation but like I mean take that long weekend like take a day off you have to and don't put work don't put your work email on your phone that's like no absolutely not if you are not getting paid like if I'm not on a salary if I'm not getting paid for my time there's absolutely zero percent chance that I'm answering emails outside of business hours like when I leave the office mm -mm, I don't know you (laughs) I'll see you on Monday and it can wait until then and that was something I learned being in the trades is that like I know that it seems like it's a crisis right now but trust me the problem will still be there on Monday yeah and nobody else is Nobody else is going to be panicking. Like, I mean, maybe the odd person, but I mean, we used to get panicked messages from clients and then you'd respond and they, they're gone. Like they're going home. It's Friday. They're going home. They're going out and hanging out with their families. Like they're not working. Like deal with it on Monday. But the, the really defining moment, I mean, we, like my husband and I had talked about moving to Mexico. So when we were on our honeymoon, we were sitting in a margarita bar 
in San Jose del Cabo. And, you know, this is something we'd always talked about, but we decided then that within two to five years, we were going to move to Mexico. And we wrote it down on a napkin and we both signed it. And it was a declaration. And then we had the waiter sign it. That's adorable. That's yeah. so cute, man. What a way to start a marriage. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a, a, we were like, okay, this is signed. This is on a piece of paper. It was on a napkin, but it's, it's signed and witnessed. Like it's, it's real. And then we came home and that really got the wheels turning of how we were going to actually make the jump. And then, you know, because now we had a deadline. I mean, two to five years, it's obviously a long deadline, but we still had a deadline. We got married in April, but our honeymoon was in May. And then in the summer, like in, in July, August, we went back home to PEI, like where my husband is from, so Prince Edward Island. And we were driving around with our, or with my husband's sisters, and we were looking at cottages. So this is, I don't know if other people do this, but we just like, we're driving around and looking at the cottages by the water and imagining like what space we would need and oh you know could you stay there and, and whatever and, and we we're sitting in the back of uh back of the car and we we're talking about it and we we're like well why don't we just and and actually so his sister his one sister she summers in PEI so she lives a very blessed life and you know the start of June she flies back to PEI they have a fifth wheel and they take it out to the campground and and her and her two boys live there and her husband comes back um, when he's off work and because he also works out of town. So, you know, they have a, a pretty sweet six, eight weeks at the car at the cottage, but I mean, it's, it's an RV, but, and we were like, well, we could do that. Like let's buy an RV and haul it to PEI and have it at the campground in the summer. Perfect. So this was like August. So I texted my mom in the back of this car and I was like, because I knew she had an RV and she was selling it. And I'm like, how much do you want for the RV? And, and then it kind of just like snowballed, honestly, it really just snowballed from there. So we had practically bought this RV before we even got back to Alberta. We were going to haul it to PEI and then fly back and forth in the summertime and, and spend our summers in PEI. And then all of a sudden we're like, wow, why don't we, why don't we haul it to Mexico? And we'll, we'll spend the winters in Mexico and the summers in PEI. You know, we'll, we'll take the RV to Mexico and leave it there. And then we'll take the, we'll get another RV and have it in, in BEI. So we'll have two RVs and that's kind of how we'll live. Wait, um, real quick. Are RVs expensive? I actually, like my, my parents had one, but I don't, I have no, no idea about like anything pertaining to RVs other than like when the day we had to clear the sewage came, like all the kids, we all went outside to like do it. Like that's about it. Um, I mean, they're definitely, they can be. So, I mean, you can get a motor home or a fifth wheel that's like $300,000, or you can get, you know, a smaller one that's like 15,000. So oh, I mean, wow. the price definitely that, That's varies. a huge range. Yeah, I mean, but the, the the fancy ones are, you know, they're nicer than some houses. They have like marble floors and marble granite Oh my God. <laughs> and, you know, like the highest of high-end finishings. Like we walked through a couple just for like fun and you're like what the hell like how how much money do you have that you can buy like a million dollar motorhome like oh what God. is going on in your I'm gonna world? like but, right after this just google search motorhomes because I need to see this yeah now. yeah I mean like there are literally like million dollar motorhomes like it's crazy but that's crazy <clears throat> yeah so so then we we bought this we bought an RV and we hauled it down to Calgary and we started renovating it. And then of course, winter happened and winter in Alberta means that nothing gets done because it's freezing. 
but we knew that we needed to find a place to park the RV in Mexico. So I'm still working my corporate job at this time. And we take our, you know, our annual vacation. Well, we had, we usually tried to get away a couple of times a year, but we took our winter vacation, I mean, I guess. And we flew down to Mexico and we rented an Airbnb and we rented a car and we didn't do the resort thing. We, we were going to look for a place to park this motorhome and, and our new home, basically. And we actually, we stumbled across where we are now, but we explored all of Southern Baja and, and looked at all the RV parks and, and really just found a place. But, and yeah, we, we found this place and it's amazing, but actually going back. So the real defining moment for like, we have to do this, like we have to move or we have to like make a change in our life. And it's really sad, but so one of my coworkers, she was a little bit older than me. She was probably late thirties, early forties, maybe. And she was married and she had two kids and her and her husband had just finished building their dream house. So they took the weekend off to go move into it. And he had a massive heart attack and he died. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. That's so and terrible. It, yeah, it was, it was absolutely obviously devastating for her and her family, but wow, it like, shook me. Yeah. That's it was, like it, all that time you'd put in to celebrate I know. and share that moment with the person you love. And it's like, no. Yeah. He got one night, one <sighs> night he slept so in their new house. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then he died. And it, it really like, yeah, it shook me because I mean, they're obviously a little bit older than us, but that was just a prime example of, of somebody that I knew who, you know, had done everything that they were supposed to in the adulting world. You know, they, they got, got a career and they got married and they had kids and then they were buying or they're building this dream house. And then it was just ripped away from them. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was wild. So that was, that was like right after or right before we came back from Prince Edward Island. I can't remember exactly, but it was around that time, like in the fall. And we were just like, okay, like this, no, we have to make a change now. We have to start living the life that we want because you never know. Yeah. Something terrible could happen at any time. So yeah. And then in the February of 2020, we came down to Mexico. We found the spot where we live now. So we live on private property outside of La Paz and it's great. We, you know, we have our RV and we have a little corner of a lot that we have made our own. But so after we came back from our vacation, so funny, this, I just, this is so petty, but I just, every time this comes up, I'm just ecstatic to share. So we come back from our vacation in February. I immediately go to my boss and I'm like, Hey, how would you feel? So this is February, 2020 guys. Okay? Yeah. Like literally a month before shit hits the fan. <laughs> okay. Literally right before. So when we were on the plane coming back to Canada, the guy beside me on the airplane had a mask on and I was like, that's kind of weird, but I get it. Like airplanes are gross. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, but of course I have to ask this guy. I'm like, um, what's with the mask? And he's like, coronavirus and I'm like what is that he's like haven't you heard and I'm like no I've been in Mexico for the last like, <laughs> I don't know anything like what are you talking about and yeah and then he he had taken off his mask I think him and his buddies had masks on and they were like all wearing them and then it was obviously like 
super hot on the plane and it's obviously uncomfortable. Like, I mean, we've been wearing masks for a year and like, they obviously suck. Like everybody can agree they suck. Whether you, you want to wear one or whatever, they suck to wear. But this guy like obviously took the mask off, but that was like our first hearing of it. So we get back to go back to work on whatever Monday. And I'm like, listen, how would you feel? Or like, could we do a trial of me working remote? And my boss is like, absolutely not. That is not how we do things. <laughs> Little do they know, <laughs> literally in a month, they don't have a that's, choice. That's what he said to me. He's like, no, absolutely not. We don't do that. And then, yeah, like a month later, maybe six weeks later, they announced that we were all going to be working from home. And I just like looked over at him and I just like made eye contact and he like would not look at me. And I was like, oh, uh, that's not how we do things, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so then we all started working remote and that was fine. It all obviously worked. I mean, the entire system, like our entire business, our entire corporation was able to go remote in like a weekend. So, I mean, it could be done. He said repeatedly, it couldn't oh, be yeah. done. Oh yeah, it definitely it was could done. be done. And, you know, well, we can't run projects like that. And we could because we they still do. So we actually, we had decided that we were moving to Mexico regardless even and then COVID was kind of like the perfect opportunity because we were all working remote anyways so we were like perfect we'll just we'll move to Mexico so we had given up our condo so we had a rental and we were giving it up and I think I moved out like May I moved out mid-May of my condo and I went to Edmonton to live with my sister just just for the transition period Mm -hmm. and nobody at work knew that I was not in the city so, I mean, you know, it was just kind of like getting further and further away and proving that it could be done, that I wasn't, you know, at home every day. I was at my sister's, but I'm, I mean, our plans, our whole plans for, for working remote and for quitting the corporate world really went askew because we were supposed to be going and spending the summer in Prince Edward Island. And then obviously that wasn't going to happen because the island closed and they weren't accepting tourists. Oh, really? Oh, so, yeah. That's, that's like, that stinks. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, forced you it was, to basically like go to Mexico in the long run. So, I mean, that was a good thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had always planned to go to Mexico. We were going to spend three months in PEI and then we were going to drive down through the U.S. for, you know, a month or two and then, and then make it to Mexico, but we couldn't do that anymore. But so what happened was everything was obviously going to hell with COVID and I worked in oil and gas. So, you know, oil and gas in Alberta is not doing so hot right now, but so thing, the, the writing was on the wall, like my hours were cut. I was working, I think like at the end, I was working like 10 hours a week. Oh my God, that's nothing. Uh, I know nothing. I was working like two hours a day, just like checking emails and like my projects all got like shelved. And so I, I volunteered, I, I asked them to take like a sabbatical or a leave of absence. And I said, like, let me take six to 12 months. And you know, the, the corporate policy was only six month leave. So whatever, that's what I took. And I figured that COVID would be done by December. I honestly thought that my leave would be over in December and I would be going back to work in January because everything would be back to normal. What a joke. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I, I mean, that was fine. I really, I had wanted to ride out COVID and like the uncertainty with oil on a leave of absence because then I was still employed by the company and, you know, I could hopefully come back and and that didn't work out, but I mean, leaving the corporate world. So it was, it was kind of like a slow leave. I mean, technically I just left the corporate world in December, but I mean, I didn't have not worked in the office since 
July. It was a slow move, but I didn't leave in a, you know, a wall of gunfire or anything like that. We just, it was a very amicable separation, if you will. But it was honestly like the best thing, the best thing I think for, for myself. And I think for, you know, I, I enjoyed my job, but there was definitely a lot of stress that I felt. It definitely contributed to, you know, my anxiety, being in that, in that corporate world, and, you know, having a little bit of pressure. There's, there's obviously always pressure and you have a schedule and there's quality concerns and you have a budget and, you know, I wanted to be the best. And I was kind of in a position where I felt that I was under scrutiny because, you know, I worked at an engineering firm, but I wasn't an engineer. I was, I was a technologist. So I felt like I had a little bit more pressure on myself just to do well. And I like was to prove only... yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's a terrible feeling to feel like you, like I went as being an assistant, which is like the bottom of the barrel, like bottom of yeah. the totem pole. And then once I got promoted at one point, I, it was hard because the same thing of like, you are not technically qualified for the job, even though you have the job. And so like, you feel like whenever you like slightly fuck up or something isn't more, isn't perfect. It's like 90% perfect. You're like, I suck. The world is over. <laughs> like, this yeah. is not fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I was qualified for the jobs mostly, <laughs> mostly, but I mean, there was obviously still like, oh, you're not an engineer and whatever. Like it's just, it's two extra years and a, it's a stupid pinky ring, but whatever, like it, <laughs> it was, it, it was what it is. But I mean, I had also kind of jumped around within the company. I had started as a junior in quality and then I actually got promoted to an intermediate because I was a rock star. Um, <laughs> and then, but I decided that I didn't love that job. I had kind of like maxed out where I could go within that position, which was kind of, it was kind of upsetting because I, I only did that job for like a year and a half, but I really, I, I had maxed out where I could go. I was, I was looking at five more years in that same position before I could get promoted to a senior. And really the only thing that I would get with as a senior is like, a pay increase, but I wouldn't have any more responsibility. Like I was, I was top of what I could do. So then I had, you know, I'd asked to, to transfer into project management and, you know, I think that they were a little bit skeptical and yeah, I think that there was a lot of pressure and I, I know I felt pressure, but I kind of felt pressure in all of my jobs in the past because I'm, you know, competitive and I, I want to be the best. And I, <laughs> that's just a personal problem that I have. <laughs> So, but yeah, leaving, I mean, leaving corporate was definitely great. I feel a lot of satisfaction in leaving and, and making it work, but okay. Anyways, so left corporate, I mean, that technically in July, but I was still technically employed until December and yeah. And, and my husband and I left and we renovated an RV. My husband did a wonderful job and we moved into it. We, so the other thing is we had literally never slept in the RV or driven it anywhere until our first night. So wait, really, people, wait, how did you get it from like, basically how'd you go from Canada to Mexico or was that, it was like, you, did you buy it down there? Like, no. So we had, we had the RV in Alberta in mm -hmm. Calgary and then we, you know, we had moved out of our condo. So we were living at my sister's house. Kendall was still at work. I mean, he worked two weeks on, two weeks off. So he was on he, for six weeks. He was gone for four of them. So I was living at my sister's 
and so we had nothing we had like everything we had moved everything into the rv and just had like our suitcase of clothes and whatever and then he came back from work on his after his last hitch and we packed up the truck and with whatever we had left over at my sister's and drove it down to the rv put everything in the rv hitched up and drove to southern bc so that was like i think it was in total maybe like a 12-hour drive we split it up into two days but our first night at the campground, at the, at the first campground, that was the first night we ever spent in our RV. Wow. Yeah. So people who are like, oh, you can't RV unless you have experience. You totally can. I feel it's like that's that such hard. BS. Like it's really, it's like, it's just a home on wheels. There's nothing really, co- I mean, maybe you got to read the guidebook on like how to set up the water hookups in the electric, but like, it's really not that complicated. I mean, yeah. In, in a general sense, it's not that complicated. There are a lot of things that you you'll figure it out though youtube is amazing like you're gonna yeah. figure it out so many people i've interviewed so many RVers, and i'm like oh so like how much experience did you have and they're like never never been <laughs> RVing. i'm like yeah perfect you just you figure it out like yeah it's a new situation but you figure it out but yeah so we 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 went to southern bc and that was great we had a great summer it was the first time in we've been together almost seven years now it was the first time in seven years that we had spent more than like two weeks together oh that's so awesome yeah so it is kind of nice when you like actually get to like you're reaping the rewards of living right versus like a soul-sucking job yeah so I mean we got to spend this time living together and like being together and I mean neither of us were working we had decided that we were going to take a year off of work and or like a six months to a year off of work and and we did we took the three months and it was so nice like such a great experience I mean we were in such a beautiful area absolutely wonderful and then you know making them jump to to Mexico that was came with its own struggles you know we got approved for temporary residency so we can move there legally and spend you know up to four years here and so that was it all worked out in the end it was you know pretty stressful getting down here driving the RV across the U S and into Mexico was not fun. I would like definitely not recommend that, but that's a really um, long trek. Yeah. It was really long. It was nine days in total. Oh my God. Nine days. Yeah. And it was kind of slow because obviously you're hauling a trailer, but I would honestly not do it again. (laughs) No, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it again. I so, wouldn't do it, yeah, the way we had it, the way we were set up with the truck and the trailer and, and we had like a barbecue and patio furniture and a whole bunch of shit. Like I just, I wouldn't do it again. And you had the two dogs too, right? Yeah, the two dogs who hate traveling. Oh. <laughs> so everybody was uncomfortable and everybody was miserable. But misery loves company. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm curious, so between your whole transition from, like having the condo, having the job to then getting the RV to putting the plan in place and then actually driving down there. How did RV spot drop even come about? And like, you know, also kind of, how did you even, like, did Mexico make it really easy for you to financially get set up? Because right, people are like, oh, like I want to take off a year from work or like do this. Like, what do they need to actually hit the road? Like, do you need a year's worth of savings or is it kind of like you could figure it out as you go? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely it really depends on how you want to play things. The way we did it is we saved a bunch of money so that we would have that flexibility of not having to find work. 
but it is way more expensive than you anticipate. So we have actually a free calculator tool on our, on our website, Dashboard Drifters, so you can see what your costs are right now, like whatever, wherever you live in New York or you live in Calgary or wherever you live and compared to living in Mexico or wherever you want to live, you can compare the cost. So it's obviously significantly cheaper to live in Mexico. Okay. The food's yeah. cheaper, the rent's cheaper, everything's cheaper. Um, your dollar goes further. So that's great. But I mean, getting down here is still, it's way more money than you anticipate. There's things that you have to buy when you get here because it is bloody hot. So, I mean, <laughs> we spend we a lot of money, you know, just preparing our new home. But so that's what I would recommend, honestly, is work, put some money aside, have enough savings. So you have a cushion because you know, at the end of the day, like if your car breaks down or your RV breaks down or you have to, you know, fly out unexpectedly for an emergency, like you want to have those savings. And so that's what we did is we saved up, you know, X number of dollars that we felt comfortable with. And that also gave us a cushion where we could come back to Canada if we needed to. When um, you like speak about flying out, it immediately jumped out at me like so when you had to do these emergency flyouts, was it for family or was it like for medical stuff? Did you, do you guys get treated down in Mexico or like, do you have to travel out? Like when you have these flights, what is the, the, the nature of the flight? Well, so we never had, we've never had to fly out unexpectedly, but I mean, people should prepare for that because I mean, so because we we're temporary residents of Mexico, but we don't have we have emergency health coverage. So if one of us falls and breaks our leg or get hit by a car or whatever happens, we have coverage for that. But if one of us, you know, gets sick with like an illness, like cancer or, you know, whatever illness, we would come back to Canada for that. Okay. But, but I mean, having that med or having that emergency fund, like what if you run out of money? Yeah. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. You have to fly home or like somebody in your family gets severely ill and you need to come back. You need to have that emergency plan, that safety net, I think. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what we did is, is we saved up some money and, and then we had that cushion of not having to work. But I mean, obviously, like I said, things are way more expensive. You spend way more money when you're traveling than you anticipate. You're like, oh, I'll cook most of my meals and I'm hardly going to eat out. No, that's a lie. You're going <laughs> to <No>. eat out. <laughs> All right. You're going to, you know, and things add up, but so that's how we, you know, it was a necessity of, of finding work. So, I mean, that's how we really pivoted from the corporate world into the online realm. So now we work entirely online, like you said, like RV spot drop. So this is an online startup that we started and it came from the, the necessity of, you know, there was a whole bunch of full-time RVers when COVID happened that were suddenly displaced and a whole bunch of especially Canadians who normally went south who weren't able to go south anymore whether they were you know they feared COVID or they could cross the border or their normal spots whatever happened so they were all scrambling to find RV spots so what we wanted to do is you know ease that transition and help connect RV parks with RVers so that obviously you know, was a need that we noticed in the market. It took a lot of time and again, way more money than anticipated of you know, getting that launched. And, and now we are fully launched, but you know, it's not, 
we're not making enough <laughs> money to like live off of, right? It's well, for not, right now, for right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it was, we launched two weeks ago, so it's not going to be. Oh my God, I didn't realize it was so like, because the website yeah. looks awesome. It does look awesome. I had, <laughs> oh, okay. I want to talk about that actually, just real quick as a sideline. Anybody who wants to start a business and is like, oh, I'm going to go on to like Upwork or Fiverr and I'm going to like find a budget friendly web developer. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. We, I had a hell of a time. So my first web developer I found online absolute disaster why how so oh my god they so i am not i'm not a computer i'm not a web developer okay i'm not super like i'm I'm tech savvy but i'm not like i coding and like all that stuff yeah i'm not coding i have an idea i want to tell you the idea i want you to tell me the best way to do it okay my first web developer absolute disaster. They were asking me how to do stuff. They were asking me like what plugins they needed. My initial website was a complete disaster. It was so full of plugins because these guys didn't actually know how to code Jack. They just put plugins to try to piece it together. So disaster. So then I got super mad and they were like not communicating. They were on the other side of the world. It was terrible. I got super annoyed, fired them got a new web developer, slightly more money, but I thought it was better. No, same thing, like barely able to code again. You know, they came up with a couple of good ideas, but it was still super frustrating, not communicating, absolute disaster. At the end of the day, I had to buck up and really invest in myself and my idea. And I had an amazing web developer. Her name is Kelsey. I'm obsessed with her. She's amazing amazing. I have never been so impressed. I just told her the idea. I told her what I needed. She just did it. And she actually, she redesigned the whole website, like things I didn't even know I wanted or needed. She just did because that's how much of a professional she is. Oh, so worth it. That's like money. Well, so worth it. That's why like, as I get older, especially with business stuff, like I don't give a shit if it's like more expensive because I know it's actually going to work out in the long run versus me cutting corners. And that's with everything, right? You buy a cheap piece of clothing, you know, next summer, you're not wearing it. It's a one season deal. Yeah. In adulting life, honestly, a business, if you have a business idea, invest in, invest in yourself, like do the research, make sure it's a viable idea. But in like, when you are ready to pull the trigger, you need to invest in quality people. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. You cannot do not get the $5 per hour developer. <laughs> oh my God, that's so cheap. That already, I already know it's going to be garbage. $5. No, it's oh not God. going to be good. It's not going to be good. So just invest in yourself. Like you need, and when there's things that you don't know how to do, like, uh, just hire somebody. Honestly, it's, it just hire somebody. You need you to use, invest. Do you use other people for help too? Yeah. So I now have a dream team. Um, so I have my web developer, Kelsey, who again, I'm super obsessed with. Uh, she's super organized as well. And that's actually so funny. I discovered this about myself. So if I work for somebody, so like when I worked in the corporate world, like I am on my A game, like super organized, always ahead of schedule. I know my schedule. I know your schedule. 
I'm on top of my own shit and I'm on top of yours. Like <laughs> now, like not being in corporate and now being like the boss, which I say like with quotes, cause I don't really feel like the boss. I need a team because apparently I'm actually disorganized and lazy. I, <laughs> I don't know. I need a team like hyper organized. That's so people. funny. But Kelsey so organized. She had like lists and she would send me, she'd be like, okay, here's a spreadsheet with all of your requests. Cause of course. And then the other thing that I do, that's apparently super, that I know is super annoying is I like multi-email. Oh, so I'll send you like one email, yeah. but then I'll have like another thought and I send you another one and then I send you another one. I'm sorry, but it's just <laughs> as a, I don't know why I do that, but okay. So I, yeah, I have a web developer who is amazing. And then I also have a marketer, Rachel. And again, super amazing. Like I, you know, I had my idea and I had my first round of like website copy and, you know, she just came in and, and just made everything so professional and just her ideas and the things that she shared were just so amazing like you need you need to have people who know what they're doing right how do you find people like that because you just said don't use Fiverr or Upwork so like is it word of mouth LinkedIn like how did you find them I honestly actually I found them through Instagram so oh nice yeah so Rachel was somebody that I followed on Instagram you know, she's a full-time RVer, which I really, I wanted somebody on my team who knew the industry and knew the feeling of like looking for campgrounds. Her and her husband are both marketers and she was doing some freelance work. And now actually she has launched her own marketing agency. So that was, I'm so excited for her and I'm so excited to, to be one of her clients. And then same thing, like Kelsey, I found her through Instagram. You know, she, renovates RVs so she isn't a full-time RVer but she renovates them and of course they are like beyond beautiful and she you know had put one day that she also was a web developer I reached out to her and absolutely like amazing professional and that that's really worked for me is, is finding people actually through Instagram because it's the same I'm looking for people who are in the same world and the same niche as me mm-hmm. because it's kind of moral it's kind of a specialized, not, it's not super specialized, but it is like a niche environment of like full-time RVing. Yeah. And so I just wanted those people that understood the lifestyle. Less of a learning yeah. curve too, right? You can kind of oh. like say, this is what I have. Like you obviously, they knew things in the industry that maybe you didn't know. So like you, you could tell them to run with it and like, they're going to run with it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the learning curve of running your own business, of like starting your own business is, oh, it's so steep. I mean, there's things that, you know, I just have to do on my own, but like every time I have anything on my to-do list, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to Google how to do that because I don't actually know how to do that. (laughs) I know. I feel like that is the bane of my existence right now is like just Googling. Like if it's not Google, it's YouTube. It's not YouTube. It's TikTok. Like teach me. I need to know it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like any kind of, any new platform, I'm like, oh God, I have to learn this too. And then yeah, everything is just a super steep learning curve. And you're like, ah, I need to talk to somebody who actually knows. I'm like, Can you just tell me how to do this? Because I'm going to have to Google it. And it's so hard. Everything is so hard. But do you but love it? Good. It seems like yeah. you really like challenges. So like, this is like the creme de la creme for you. Cause you're like, it's my baby, but I also get to like be pushed every single day versus like kind of what you said when you were in that role at your job and you were kind of like, I'm capped at my creativity and like my, my pay and like, there's nowhere for me to go. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's been a definite trend in my life. Like now that I have been out on my own, I mean, like as a 
definitely a trend in my twenties of being challenged. So, you know, years ago, actually, this isn't even, this isn't even the first time that I've quit my quote, my corporate job <laughs> years ago, between the time I worked out of town and between the time I got my corporate job, I, I quit my job or like the, the project had ended. So I was waiting for the next project to start and it was kind of like dragging on because again, that's how oil and gas is. So I like more or less quit my job, just waiting for the next one to start. So I started my own personal training business because that's what I thought I wanted to do. <laughs> so I, I, years ago, I was really into bodybuilding and I did a, a bikini fitness show. And then I thought that I could be a personal trainer because I, I loved going to the gym and I thought that that would be a great fit. And so I started a personal training company and it turns out I hated that because <laughs> you hadn't, you had to start though to know, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was the same, it was the same kind of thing. Like it all built on each other and, and you know, each experience is builds on the next one. But when I was doing that, I had a business coach and I actually, I, I would really like to find, I'm actually in the market right now for a business coach for what I've got going on, but I had a business coach that was related to the fitness world and personal training. And she told me that if you're not uncomfortable, you're dying. Oh, I mean, it's it, true, right? It kind of is true. So true. And it really struck a chord with me that like, if you're not uncomfortable in your life, then you're plateauing and then you're dying. Like if you're not moving forward, you're dying. And I've really taken that to heart. And basically since that point, my entire life has been uncomfortable. <laughs> but you and get any- comfortable with getting uncomfortable. It's almost like a rush now. Uh, sort of kind of <laughs> I mean it's it's still like sometimes I'm like oh I just want this this period of uncomfortable to be over because I mean it's kind of like in stages where it's uncomfortable and then I you know I allow myself to have those brief pauses of of comfort and just relax but I'm still like aware in the back of my mind I'm like oh I'm dying right now but I'm like this is fine this is fine I just need a <laughs> moment to like rest for a second but so anyways that that's really like obviously I've taken that to heart because now everything in my life is uncomfortable so I mean starting you know an online startup is is severely uncomfortable it's the most uncomfortable you're constantly being challenged you're constantly learning things I have to think about things that I've never thought about like even just the the thought process or the the way the company works and the way the business is structured and the flow of things, like so much research, so much uncomfort. But I mean, that's not even the only thing that we have going on. So, I mean, we started RV Spot Drop. It's officially launched. I'm super excited. I'm learning so much every day. When we got our first sign up, our first member, I ugly cried. (laughs) Why? I was so excited. So we launched... I switched over the website to like the live version, the Saturday morning, and there was a small hiccup, of course, because, you know, that's how websites are. And I was frantically emailing my web developer and, you know, trying to get everything fixed and it's the weekend and and she has a life and, and Sunday morning, I woke up and I checked my email because I, again, I don't have my work email on my phone, even with my, my startup company, I don't have the email on my phone and I checked my email on my laptop and there it is like my first member. And 
she wasn't on my pre-launch list. Like this woman had just found us and signed up. Like I didn't have to do any work to get her. And I just cried because it was such a relief. It was such a, it was such a powerful moment. I just felt so much joy and happiness of like that. I did all this work and there it was. Yeah. It was real. It's real now. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so amazing. So that is one thing I have going on. And again, like, you know, that's a, it's a passion project and it's something that I, I hope one day will, will be big enough that, you know, I, I can just sit back and, and be the boss of that and, you know, have a team and, mm-hmm. and not have to be involved every day and working on it. But we also, so again, like huge pivot, you know, I have to pay my bills. It's cheaper to live in Mexico, but I mean, at the end of the day, I still have bills and my husband and I are both freelance writers which is so funny because he hasn't written creatively since high school, which was <laughs> a long time ago. But we both write content for for a number of publications and that's been great. It was, again, it was just one of those things that I needed to pivot. And you know what? This, that, I fell into the writing thing too. I just, I feel like a lot of things in my life I've just kind of like fallen into. So that's, that's been great. I guess I don't really always have a plan, but it it works out. But I watched this webinar, this free, this free masterclass. And I would encourage people that when, you know, on Facebook or, you know, I, I get a lot of targeted ads on Facebook. Oh yeah. So um, do I free masterclass to, to learn this skill or free masterclass to learn this skill. And at the end of the day, like I know that, that in that one hour, like that person is going to be pitching something to me that's fine. But the value that you get out of that, maybe like 45 minutes where they're not pitching to you is huge. Mm -hmm. I encourage people take that masterclass, like sign up. Like you can always unsubscribe from their emailing list. And I'm sorry to say I always unsubscribe because the amount of emails I get is ridiculous. Like I think it's a little bit too much. Yeah. Whatever. I watched this masterclass and it was on how to pitch writing ideas to different editors. And literally the same night. Who was I, it? Oh, honestly, I can't even remember her was name. Was it Susie Moore or no? Yes. Does she have like blonde bob? Yes, she's the one. I keep getting ads for her too. It's about like basically pitching the media. Yes, yes. I've been yes, meaning yes. to take, oh my God, it's so funny. I have to take her class yeah. now that you told me that. I have, yeah. The stars have aligned. I need to do it. Yeah. So yeah, it was a Susie Moore and it was like how to pitch to media. And it was an hour and it worked. Seriously, so I'm so excited. <laughs> this weekend. Okay, so I watched this masterclass and whatever she, you know, she goes through it and then she pitches her her business, which is just so great. And I, I want to, you know, it's so amazing when people are running those courses, you know, those highly successful like Susie Moore and uh, Jenna Kutcher, and I always feel so excited for them that they're, you know, like they're successful in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always so happy and like girl power and I'm just good for you. I have to unsubscribe because you send me too many emails, but good for you. I'm super happy. (laughs) But I watched your masterclass that same night I pitched, let's say five, I emailed five different editors and I got one. That's so awesome. Was like, again, like scream, like I'm just, it was so amazing. They're like, yes, we'd love to have you write for us. What? Crazy. And now, you know, I started writing for them and then I got my husband writing for them and 
amazing. And do you have to be like super skilled to do that? Like, do you have to be like, you know, I know you didn't graduate with like a degree in writing, but like, what are the prerequisites for that? Just, you just have to mark. It's just how you market yourself. I literally like for me, I had done some really like minimal, like freelance writing. I'm actually on Upwork. (laughs) So Upwork is not necessarily bad, but the $5 an hour guys, those are bad. You know, I'd done some, some freelance writing because I obviously had a, a technical background and when I worked at the corporate office, I, I wrote a lot of their quality and their corporate procedures. So I had that kind of experience. And then of course I have like my own blog through dashboard drifters where we talk about, you know, being an expat and, and how to, and how to leave the corporate world. But I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, like I didn't have any special skills. It's blog writing, like the content writing that we do, there's more or less a formula, you know, blogs are pretty much all structured the same way so you know you get a topic and you know there's there's a formula for it so it's not keep practicing until you really nail it basically yeah and I mean the other thing is I think that there's also um you know like Grammarly really helps I love Grammarly that's like one of my favorite things except when I'm using Canva because it always gets in the way and it pisses me off but like yeah it's one of the best it saved me so many times from like either spelling things incorrectly or like sometimes I fuck up where commas go. Like I'm 27, yeah. still don't got it down. So yeah, no. And I don't think that you ever do like there's use Grammarly and Yoast, like for your SEO, like, Oh, for WordPress. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's things out there. So, I mean, the writing, I mean, you don't have, and that, that was the entire basis of her, of Susie Moore's presentation is you don't have to be an expert to like pitch these companies companies like media companies are looking for content yeah it's so hard to make content like I as a business owner I am constantly constantly like freaking out about making content because like I think I prepare enough and I have this whole like outline and I made the graphics and the the blog posts and all that and I still need more I still need TikToks I still need like like so much stuff right and so I can't imagine if you're a publication like a Forbes or like a CNN or like, you know, better homes and gardens and you got to push out stuff every fucking day. How the hell are you going to do that? And also get different voices, right? Cause if you have one person or three people, five people on your team, it's the same content. They're going to have the same viewpoints. How do you change it up? Mm-hmm. Well, then that's it. Like people are looking for content. So her, her master class, you know, was like how to pitch and like, even just to get your name out there. So this was the thing. So I was willing to write for free. And I pitched like a number of publications. Again, it was just so I had a byline so I could, you know, link back to it and be like, Hey, look what I've done. And, and hopefully just get some experience. And my very first pitch or my very first one person that responded, it was a paid gig. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was like fairly significant. Like, I mean, writing is, you know, we get paid per word, but it was fairly significant. I was ecstatic. So that was, again, it was something that there was a need. We needed to pay our bills because again, it was expensive to move. It's expensive to leave the corporate world. We needed a way to pay our bills. Boom, pivoted into this writing. Now I'm a content writer. Like what? Then (laughs) just like two weeks ago, you know, I'm always trying to network, especially in the RV world. 
in, in the content world, you know, always sending out pitches. And I mean, the one thing is, is like, as a writer, especially, like I send out pitches every week and a lot of the time you never hear back. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you do and, you know, they don't, they don't pay or whatever the case may be. Like the rejection thing, I think that's, and especially, oh my God, especially with like RV spot drop, like trying to bring on partner campgrounds and like getting rejected it's tough but I mean don't take it personally yeah it's not Uh, that's that's how I see it is like you're not rejecting me you're more rejecting the idea and I guess at the end of the day it's my idea but I mean I get on sales calls where I'll call you know a hundred campgrounds a day and I get rejected and I just whoop go on to the next one like don't eat it can't even phase you like it's fine it's fine you have to keep going like absolutely you cannot get hung up on the rejection you have to keep going yeah even if it hurts your feelings like just keep going because it's it's fine the next one there's an opportunity right it's an opportunity and if you sit in that rejection you're missing that opportunity yeah but so just like two weeks ago I applied for this copywriting job boom got it Wow. That's awesome. No special skills, skills, nothing like that, but it's the way you market yourself and the way that you put yourself out there, especially on the internet, like just market yourself as a, an expert in, in whatever it is that you want to do, like take an online course. I mean, not everything has to be through the university or like a college, like, you know, there's so many like free, free masterclasses are brilliant, but there's also so many affordable, you know, class websites now. Yeah. Like Udemy is really great. Or even like if you go on Pinterest and look up like freebies, like if you put in your email address for most people's websites, you can get access to like a mini course or like an ebook that'll teach you like Susie Moore, like how to get, you know, publications to sign you on or like, I don't know, whatever it is, like anything how do, how do I start working on illustrator for adobe because I want to be a graphic designer like that's where exactly. you start yes and then I think it's like stack skills or like those skill sharing co- classes and stuff and programs like use those yeah that's like a free or a super inexpensive resource for you to broaden your your skill set like I took an email marketing course through send in blue brilliant. I learned so much. I took a a copywriting course that I paid $29 for through, I think, stack skills, like brilliant because now I'm getting paid, you know, the same, if not more that I was when I worked in the corporate world. Yeah. It's so crazy that that happens. Crazy. Like you think that it's like God's gift to earth that you have this corporate job and then taxes come out and all the BS and the politics and like, why like why I'm now making more hourly like when I do gigs and I am if I do like I'm in my pjs right now like what the fuck why would I give why would I give it up like I mean I mean when I when we lived in Calgary we had to had and then like I mean had to I say it's still a choice but we made the choice to live in Calgary in an expensive neighborhood and, you know, we had two vehicles and we wanted to go out to eat and eating out in Calgary was so expensive now. And so you have to work a full-time job and like a full-time corporate job. Like there's no if, ands, or buts. Like in order to afford that lifestyle, you have to yeah. work. It's like the now, rat race. Yeah. <laughs> you get now, stuck in it. 
I live two minutes from the beach. I live in Mexico and I work, I'm going to say, I'm going to be honest, like maybe three days a week and like not eight hours a day because I don't have that attention span anymore. (laughs) Three, maybe four days a week, you know, and I make, I'm covering all of my bills. I'm living this, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty awesome. I live an awesome life now. I mean, it's great. It's great. But it's possible for more people. Like that's kind of like, I think one of the great things why you're on this is like to show people that there is another way. There are many ways to make it work. Just part of it is right. Like it takes a little bit of time, like come up with the idea, start making tangible steps towards the goal and like let the rest of it pan out. But like, especially with the internet, like you can do fucking anything. Like you don't need need to be in one place. Like I'm not going to say that it happened overnight. Like it definitely did not. Like my first writing gig was in October and now it's May. And like, now we're, you know, making enough to cover our bills. Like it took time, but still that's such a six months. I mean, come on. Yeah. Six months and you can completely change everything. I mean, that's a lot better than being miserable for 40 years in a job you fucking hate. Like, (laughs) honestly, honestly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. But six months, you know, and and this is a series, it's a series of steps and like, you know, getting that experience and it's a series, but it's, it's totally possible. Like there's absolutely zero reason that you have to stay in that corporate job. If that's like, the other thing is any skill that you have in a corporate world, especially like it's a little bit trickier when, you know, you work in trades or, you know, in a different, in a different industry. But if you work in a corporate or an office setting, 100% guarantee you can take your skills that you have and use them online. Oh yeah, for sure. There is no reason that you have to be stuck in a cubicle, like take those skills, market yourself online. And I mean, how to market yourself again, I'm so on board with like all of those. I mean, I mean, all of them that come to me are women, but all of these women that are, you know, have eBooks, have free eBooks, have masterclasses, like download that, like have an email address that you use specifically for those downloads if you don't want 4,000 emails. But I have a folder like on my desktop full of free business resources. That's such a good idea. I am going to do that. (laughs) It's like 300 plus, you know, story prompts for Instagram. Boom. I have those downloaded because creating content is hard, you know, free business plan template, like download that get those free eBooks, get that, those free masterclasses. Because I mean, even if you don't apply everything and you just take away like one little nugget, yeah. it was a free, it was an hour and you took something away and you got something like, man, yeah. it's amazing. The, the amount of knowledge, like the stuff is out there. Everything, the whole framework of businesses is available for free online. Like you don't have to you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And that's another Or go to school. I, you don't have to go get your MBA exactly. to launch a business. You do not need a business degree. No. The, yeah. You do not need a business degree. I'm sure it helps. But I mean, everything is out there for free. You do not have to reinvent the wheel with like business plans and with templates and with anything. Like there's zero reason that you need to reinvent the wheel. Like there, it's out there. Take it copy it make it your own but like just it's out there 
It's yeah. So easy. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, one of the things I like to end this episode with is ask like the question, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? So, I mean, like, does that kind of fall in line with that? I mean, actually you choose, you decide what you want to tell, you know, younger, younger Jennifer, but uh, I what, mean, what do you think it'd be? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm super, super excited and super happy with where, with where I am in my life now. I mean, each step was, was part of, you know, it was all, it, it all built on whatever it is now, but what would I tell younger Jennifer? Like, save your money. Stop buying shoes. Like 18 year old Jennifer needed to stop buying high heels. Stop. <laughs> save your money. Uh, <laughs> definitely that. But I mean, I think it would more or less just be like developing confidence when I was younger. Like it took a really long time to develop that confidence that I have now. It took a lot of time, like getting the appropriate like mentors and stuff who, who helped build that confidence. But it would, it would more be related to that. Cause I think I could be even further ahead if I had had, you know, more confidence when I was 21 and in my first, oh, yeah. first job and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super happy with, with where I'm at and everything, you know, everything was a foundation for where it is now, but Aww. More <laughs> confidence. yeah, we're always so worried about what people think when we're oh, I mean, even it, now, but I mean, when like my brothers, he's 18 and he's like, every little thing that he does like I mean he's, he's more chill than I am but like everything that he does it's like oh I wonder if she likes me or like if this matters or if I look at, like it's like so overanalyzed to the point of like no one gives a shit yeah no one everyone just cares about themselves which is like kind of sad but right we're selfish beings because that's we're the only person we can like you know literally nobody else is nobody else is thinking about you right now yeah exactly yeah yeah I would tell myself actually to break up with my high school boyfriend <laughs> not, That's not so have wasted all of the time but yeah that would probably be like yeah break up with him that's so funny yeah well this has been awesome I think like the people who listen to this are going to get so many great things to take away with whether they're looking for a more like nomadic lifestyle or even just like how to do business stuff like again like the takeaway of like spend the extra money on the quality purses versus like going cheap because you're just gonna it's gonna bite you in the ass in the long run I think it's all so awesome thank you for yeah. coming on yeah thank you I would yeah invest in yourself like that's that's gotta be the biggest invest in yourself invest in your ideas and go forth with it but <laughs> do not try to skimp on business expenses <laughs> It's a bad idea. <laughs> well, thanks again. Thank you. <laughs>